I want to have you turn probably to a couple of scriptures, actually. One is in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 1. And then we'll also turn to Hebrews, and, um, and then later on in the, in the message, we'll turn to one of the, to one of the Gospels. We're just um, very thankful uh, for the opportunity to share the word. We're on the third week of our series, Living Beyond Myself, and today we're going to try to shape that a little bit more, just define and describe what it means to live uh, beyond us for the Lord, for the sake of others for the gospel. And so hopefully when this is all said and done, you'll have a greater understanding of what these passages mean and how you can apply them to your life. Ecclesiastes 1, 16 and 17, it says, I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. And my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied it, applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. Yet I perceive that this also was just chasing the wind. Chasing the wind. Turn, if you would, now to Hebrews. It's in the New Testament, toward the back of your Bible. It's after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is the Gospels. Then you have the general epistles written by Paul. And then you run across Hebrews right before you get to uh, some of the more personal letters. Hebrews chapter 11. We'll, we'll probably come back to this verse a little bit later. But I want to just read, read two, uh, three verses there. And again, we'll, we'll come back to them. But I want you to hear the heart of the writer here. Verse number eight, it says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob and heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. I want to just take for a theme and and hope that I stick with it, but uh, wind chasing and kingdom pursuing. Wind chasing and kingdom pursuing. Oftentimes I, I talk a lot about my grandfather, or if not necessarily publicly, but in a lot of different settings uh, because of the impact that he had on my life for the years of, of my upbringing. And uh, there, the, the, he had a little ritual that he did every, every morning. It was through him that I learned so much about life and how to think on some issues politically, and et cetera. Of course, absolutely learned faith. Uh, to this day, I don't know if I've ever known anyone uh, that read his Bible as much as he did. Uh, it just he, and he didn't read a lot of books, and he wasn't an educated man, but he read his Bible so often. He had a little ritual he would do every morning before he went to work. Uh, he would watch the Today Show and just get big kick out of some of the characters in there, Willard Scott and Brian Gumble and all of that. But uh, the one day a week, one night a week, there was a show came on by, that was called Columbo. I, mean, I don't know if any of you remember the show Columbo. 
Columbo actually became one of my favorite shows. And, and he was kind of a goofy guy. Peter Falk was kind of a goofy guy. Um, kind of, you know, had some idiosyncrasies that would, you know, you weren't always sure what he was doing. And, and he was a detective. And you thought, man, if I, if I knew I was paying this guy, I would not have any confidence at all that he's going to solve this crime because he just was kind of goofy. You know, he had cigar that was never lit, um, had a, a trench coat on. I think it, it could have been a raincoat, but it kind of looked like a trench coat, drove an old car uh, and just, just had some real goofy mannerisms. Now, the show came on different seasons for like a block. Like I know it was in the late 80s and a little bit in the 90s, and then there was a little like a remake toward the early 2000s. And they never really done a whole lot of episodes. But it was, it was for years of watching that. Again, that was one of the shows my grandfather enjoyed watching, so I wanted to enjoy it with him. But for years of watching that, I didn't pick up some clues that was kind of evident until the latter season in the early 2000s. And one thing that I picked up on is he, at the beginning of the show, you always saw who the, who the actual criminal was. You always saw it at the beginning. Now, he could have been out there talking to him on a tennis court or running to him at a coffee shop, but you always saw who that person was at the beginning of the show. You didn't know that that's who it was, but then he would spend the rest of the, I'm talking TV time, the rest of the hour proving to you how he knew that that was the person. Now, the reason I bring that up is because a lot of the Jewish writers, when they wrote letters, they would let you know what they wanted you to know early on. And then they would spend the rest of the time of the letter proving what they wanted you to know. And it's interesting here what Solomon does. The book of Ecclesiastes is written by Solomon. I told my VBS uh, class, this is my go-to book. If, I, if I'm, you know, done my devotions, read my material that I need for that, my sermon, and I just want to read the Bible, I got two go-to books. One is Ephesians in the New Testament and Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament. I just love reading Ecclesiastes. It's written by Solomon, who's King David's son, the wise king, the wisest man on the earth until Jesus comes. And he's writing to us some things that he has experienced in life, which I'll unfold some of it. But right from the beginning, he lets us know right up up from front, this is what you need to know. And it's right there in verse two. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. Right from the beginning of the the book, he tells us, listen, this is what I'm going to talk to you about. Everything is meaningless. And when you read Ecclesiastes, you, you, you recognize that you, you're hearing from someone who has experience. This is not a guy that just has had a couple of setbacks in life and then come to the conclusion, you know, life is a big joke. This is a guy that's got some experience. He's done it all. And, and he's, he's informing us that, listen, there's a whole lot of things in life that end in disappointment. Everyone, I believe, has experienced a broken heart. Certainly everyone has experienced broken promises. I think everyone has experienced some unfulfilled expectations and shattered dreams. And so he puts that, he puts that out there. 
And when you, when you read his record of experiences and he tells about the things he's disappointed about, it's not necessarily the things that many of us would be disappointed in. Like he doesn't write about being disappointed necessarily with people or certain events in his life. Like, you know, you had a, you know, you, 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 you're coaching a team and of course we're expecting to win the state championship. Of course, that's why we play. And then, you know, disappointment when you don't. He's not writing those kind of things. He's writing about everything that he had accomplished. He's writing about wealth. The scripture says that he was the richest man that was living on the earth. He talks about wealth. He talks about wisdom. He talks about popularity. People would come from all over just to talk to him and see him and spend time with him. He talked about all the pleasures of the world that any man could get his hands on. And he still comes to the same conclusion. Those are not things necessarily that are disappointing events. But he says, with all of the wealth that I had and all of the pleasures that I had and all of the popularity that I had and all of the wisdom that I had, he says, with all of that that I had and experienced that I went after, and I'm going to talk about that, that I pursued, he said, I'm telling you what I've concluded. This is all meaningless. This is all meaningless. And so he tells us in this book, basically, that for us to, to abandon worldly pursuits and to make a determination that we're going to live a life that glorifies God. That's where he's headed. Because here is the fact. Life can be defined as wind chasing. I know it's not a term that we necessarily use. Some, some from the older days get it. But wind chasing, going after something that you believe you can catch. And when you catch it, you think it's going to satisfy you. And life can be defined that way. Solomon, I, I just want to go through a few of these. Uh, not, I'm certainly not going to go through the, the whole book. But just listen to some of the things he talked about. He talked about even work. That it's good to work. And we should work. But it's the same thing every day. You work. You go to sleep. You wake up to go back to work. Generations of people come and go on the earth. And the earth still stays the same. The sun rises, he says, and the sun sets, and then it hurries back up to rise again the next day. The wind blows to the south, the wind blows to the north, and round and round it goes. The river runs to the sea, and the sea runs, the water runs from the sea into the rivers, and it flows again back to the sea. And he says, that's the way this stuff is. The stuff that we might think would be the thing that satisfies us. He basically tells us, just look at nature and see of how the course of things do the same thing over and over. As a matter of fact, he says, oftentimes people think that they have discovered something new. And he says, there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new. Nothing that has not already been done. Nothing that's not already been repeated. He says in verse number 13 of chapter 1, I devoted myself to search for understanding and to explore by wisdom everything being done under heaven and his conclusion that it was still meaningless. So he said to himself, let me just try pleasure. Let me just see if I can get my field 
of pleasure. Let me just look for the good things in life. So he says, I built multiple homes and I planted beautiful vineyards and I had gardens and I had parks and I had fruit trees and I had large herds and I had flocks. I accumulated great sums of silver and gold. I had singers, male singers, uh, female singers. I had beautiful concubines. I had everything a man desired. Anything I wanted, I took it. I just denied myself no pleasure. Y'all hearing that? He said, I denied myself no pleasure. Here's a man that had all the means to do exactly what he said. Solomon is basically saying, I could do whatever I wanted to do. There was no restriction when it came to time, money, or mental capability. I could do whatever I want. And I'm telling you, people, it's like chasing the wind. Ephesians 2.11 says, but I looked at everything I worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless, like chasing the wind. And as believers, we have to come to the conclusion that life is designed for purpose. It's not for us to, to rest in the fact that no matter what we do, you can't find any satisfaction. You can't find any fulfillment. That's not, that should not be the mindset of the believer. Life was designed with purpose. We believe God created the universe. We believe that God put people in the universe for his purpose. We hold the view that humans, we find meaning and we find purpose when our life is in God. The key to understand what God wants for our life is actually allowing ourselves to be subject to him, to allow the creator of the planet who made everything, by the way, and made you and knows more about you than anybody else does in the, in the goodness of God, in the wisdom of God, in the, all of the ability of God. God said, I'm going to create a person that I love, that I say is very good, and I'm going to give you a reason for existing. I will not leave you to be an amoeba or a blob or a black spot or a black sheep for that matter. I'm not going to leave you to be nothing but someone that I've created with specific purpose and specific design. And until we discover what that is, you can keep doing everything you're doing in this life, thinking it's going to end up somewhere, and I'm telling you where it's going to end up, meaningless. Meaningless. I said to myself, I wasn't going to preach today, but I feel something pushing me up here. And so life was designed with a purpose. And, 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 and I'm serious. I mean, there you have it. I mean, that's almost like the end of the story. Uh, I've said it time and time again. The f- first statement in the shorter catechism, Westminster Catechism, is what is the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. That, that's it. If, 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 you, if you ask people, what is your goal in life? And if they say, well, I just want to be happy. Eh, wrong answer. If they say, well, I I just need to have a better job, eh, wrong answer. Now, now can I just tell you something? There is no happier place than glorifying God and enjoying him forever. But that's the result of it. That's the end goal of it. that's, That's the purpose. 
I, I, I think I can share this story and you'll, you'll get it because oftentimes we shoot for something that's good, but we shoot for it from the wrong perspective. My uncle Shirley, I told you, I told you, well, I've talked about him a lot. I actually told a story about him in VBS about a Jack, but, but some of y'all heard that. But, but when he first gave his life to Christ, he wanted to experience all of the things of the Lord that God had for him. And he saw people that, you know, people were able to prophesy and they were laying hands on the sick and all of those different things. And man, it was, he just loved that. He was new in the faith, although he was raised by my grandfather like I was, but, you know, went through life and military, different things like that. And then finally gave his life to Christ. And, and, and some things he was, he was starting to experience. And, and, he, and, 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 and one time he came uh, to the altar. Of course, I was a, a young man, so he tells this story. He came to the altar and, and the, the pastor asked him, well, what, what is it that you want today? And he said, man, I, I, I want to speak in tongues. He said, you want to do what? He said, I want to speak in tongues. He said, so you want to you you experience some more things? He said, that's right. I want to speak in tongues. That's almost how he talked. I want to speak in tongues. So he said, so the pastor said to him, you going after tongues, but what you want is more of the Holy Ghost. And see, a lot of us are going after happiness, but what you need to go after is glorifying God. A lot of us are trying to find peace, but what you need to go after is glorifying God. A lot of us want joy, but what you need to go after is glorifying God. Everything else is meaningless. Am I talking to the right church? So 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, so whether whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Now, here's where it gets a little funky because I absolutely believe in the sovereignty of God and I, and I, I absolutely believe God works out his purposes in our life uh, as we surrender to him. At the same time, I know that we have, to, we have to make some choices based on what God wants to do. It's a mystery to that to some degree, but, uh, but, but, I, but I believe it's so. I shared this in the earlier messages and, I, and I'll share it again. Part of even getting to that place of where we live according to purpose is losing ourselves, And I'm not going to repeat the sermon at all that I've done a couple of weeks ago, but I, I want you to get it. I want it to be so much in your knower that, that you don't miss the verse because this is what Jesus says. If you try to hang on to your life, if you try to keep shaping and making your life the way you want it to look and the way you want it to be, if you keep designing it the way according to your plans, and, and your thinking and what you think is good. Listen to what Jesus says. If you hold on to your life, you're going to lose it. 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 I don't think enough of y'all believe that. If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. Now, I didn't make that up. There's no book in here. Now, I wish there was. I wish there was a book in here that said the book of Tyrone because there's a whole lot of things I want to tell you. But I didn't make that up. That, Jesus said that. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, this is Jesus talking, and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. That's an amen moment right there. And the whole idea, the choice that we got to make based on the goodness and the sovereignty of God is that we would be willing to live out this life according to the design that he has for us. And, and, and I repeat Paul again when he says, I'm a prisoner of the Lord, but I beg you 
to lead a life that's worthy of your calling, for you've been called by God, called of God. Now, there's another impediment that I want to address. And honestly, when I went back through my notes yesterday, I thought, you know, it, it may seem a little off track, but I, I, I don't know. It, it can almost be a message in itself, but, but I got time, so, and you got time, so let's just deal with it for a moment. Because I, I really think there can be another impediment that sometimes that we overlook in our life. We don't, we don't identify it and make it a, a big deal. And I absolutely believe that's what Solomon, the base of what Solomon is teaching, comes from this particular act. Now, I think most of all of us, either through VBS or Awana or Sunday School, learned the Ten Commandments. And this is a great time for you to shout out. Who can give me the first one? No other God before you. Second one. No graven images. Come on, church. Have we done better than this? The third one, don't take the Lord's name in vain. The fourth one, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. The fifth one, honor father and mother. Man, y'all all right? Number, how about number six? Yeah, I'll remember these, I bet you. Number six, don't kill nobody, right? Don't murder. Number seven, don't commit adultery. Number eight, don't steal, right? Number nine, don't lie. It's that 10th one. It's that 10th one that I think we don't quite embrace of what the real meaning is. Because that 10th one said, don't covet. And see, oftentimes when we think, when we're living life, what we think about when we think about covenant is wanting what somebody else has. No, that ain't what Jesus taught. Jesus taught covenant is wanting something that he hasn't provided for you outside of God's provision and goodness. It don't matter whether somebody else got it or not. Listen, I don't think there's nobody in here with the Range Rover. I want one. I'm just telling you. I don't want yours. I want my own. But I know this. If I go and get me a Range Rover outside of the provisions and the principles and probably outside the permission of Virginia, I'm coveting. I'm coveting. Are y'all following me? I, 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 listen, I've heard of folks breaking up, uh, divorcing because of adultery. I've heard folks, I've heard pastors lose their jobs because of stealing and lying. I ain't never read where a pastor lost his job for coveting. Never, have you? Because we don't think about coveting as being an issue that we need to deal with in our heart. And the base of what Solomon is saying is this issue of covetousness, us wanting more than what God has already provided. Let me just read this. Let me just read this passage. This is in Luke chapter 12. I told, I told Andy this morning, I'm committed to staying in the Bible today. No more Jones philosophy. Luke chapter 12, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, now notice it was a man, the brother's inheritance, but that's a whole nother story. Man, who made me a judge or arbitrate over you? And he said to them, take care and be on your guard. Listen to this, against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentiful. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. You can read I in here five times. You can read my, uh, sorry, I six times. You can read my five times. 
which, which that's always an issue. And church, if I could just give you a plug, you, you got to get this. Nothing belongs to you. It all belongs to the Lord. That's why as believers, we don't have no trouble giving 10% of our income to the house of the Lord because it ain't ours anyway. It belongs to the Lord. And I'm going to tell you something. I've done a whole lot better with the 90% he let me keep than the 100% I would have robbed. That's just, the, that's, just, that's just the saying. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all of my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool. Now, it, l- let me tell you something. When God call you a fool, <laughs> I, I mean, I know we do it around, you know, folks do it among each other and all that. And I don't necessarily care for that. But I hear. But when God call you a fool, it's one thing. It's one thing if one of my brothers called me a fool. But when God called me a fool, I mean, there ain't. There ain't no argument. <laughs> I mean, there ain't no, I can't say to God, I ain't no fool, you a fool. I'm, okay. <laughs> okay, so God said, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself. And hear this, and is not rich toward God. That's the, that, that defines covetousness. And, and listen, there's not a, there's not a good ending. And, and so honestly, just to get ready to wrap this up, wind chasing will always leave you disappointed and unfulfilled and, and just having a meaningless existence in life. If you, get, if you get the purpose wrong and you think the way to do life is to do more and build more and get more and do this and change that and switch that and make this the way I want it to be, work yourself to death, you're going to die like a fool. I'm just being real today. Is that all right? But here's the difference. The difference from wind chasers is kingdom pursuers. And team, you can come. I'm almost, I'm almost done. I think I broke one of my own records today. But because kingdom pursuers are rewarded with eternal life. It's a whole different thought. Wind chasers are rewarded with meaningless. But kingdom pursuers are rewarded with eternal life. And why is that? And and, and it's really simple. First of all, because the kingdom that we come into is an eternal kingdom. It has no end. There, there, There is no period of time when it no longer exists. I'm here to tell you, every nation on the planet gonna come to existence. Every president, every leader, every kingdom, every monarchy, it's gonna come to existence. But the kingdom of God is an eternal kingdom. It always lasts and it's always established. Listen to what Daniel 2.44 says. During the reigns of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom Talking about the Lord Jesus Christ and the time that Christ came with all of the different countries of the world and all their rulers and all their authorities and all their kingdoms. He will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all these kingdoms into nothingness and it will stand forever. And you don't have to do much checking of history, but there is not one king that's still on the throne from the time that Jesus came in. There's not one monarchy leader that's still ruling. There's not one prime minister. There's not one president. But Jesus is still the eternal king because it's an eternal kingdom. The king is eternal. And I want you to hear this because this really is 
the place where I, I'm trusting that you hear the heart of this message because this is Paul writing to Timothy and listen to what he says. He says, this is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. Hear this, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Now there's not one of us that can look there and read that and say, he ain't talking to me. Not one of us can say that. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I like what Paul said. And honestly, if there was one place in the scripture that I wanted to put my name, it would be right here. Because I'm the worst of all. But God had mercy on me. God had mercy. So that Christ Jesus can use me as a prime example of his great patience with us that are even the worst sinners. Listen to this. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. I'm not telling you something that Jesus just done for me. He can do it for you. Because we are sinners that need to be saved by the grace of the almighty God. None of us have the ability to get past ourselves except we trust in Jesus Christ. And it's the mercy of God. He says, all honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Amen. He alone. I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm just going to just share this last portion while you're standing. I read, I read at the beginning that scripture about Abraham. And I want you to hear this. Abraham came from a very wealthy community, wealthy family. His father was very rich. The land they were in was very rich. Abraham had everything that he needed. And the Lord came to him and said to him, Abraham, I want you to leave your family. And I want you to just go. Abraham's word to the Lord is go where? And the Lord to Abraham says, you go where I'm sending you. It's a land of promise. It's a land that I'm going to provide for you. But Abraham, there's a greater pursuit here. Because being the eternal God, I'm building an eternal city for people who trust me can live eternally. He let Abraham know, I get it. You got everything you need right here with your father. But I want you to trust me more. I want you to trust me beyond all the cattle, beyond all the money, beyond all the protection, beyond all the provision, all of those things that you could have. Because the Lord didn't say it, but Solomon already told us, in the end, if you don't trust God, that ends up meaningless. So the Lord basically goes to Abraham and says, Abraham, you can stay here with your folks and you can be a wind chaser. Or you can trust me. You can commit your life to me. You can follow me and be a kingdom pursuer and end up in a place of eternity. And Abraham lived the rest of his life. The scripture says in, in verse number 10 that we read, looking forward to the city whose builder and maker was God. Because that's one eternal. Listen, Tyrone's life doesn't count. What Tyrone can build doesn't count. It's what God can build. That's what counts. It's what God has provided. That's what counts. All of us need to have the mindset, I want to look forward to the place of where the builder and maker 
is God. I said earlier, there's a little mystery to choice and how things work out with the sovereignty of God. But, but this is what I'm going to ask you today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to make a determination that I'm going to lose my life and I'm going to surrender my life to him. Let me, let me tell you something. This has been pressing on me all weekend. Somebody's hearing this message for the last time. Somebody's hearing this for the last time. I'm telling you. I don't know who it is. Don't, I don't really care who it is. This is what I know. I'm not spending my last 25 minutes up here playing folly. This is real. Christ is calling you. He's calling you. And I'm asking you to hear the Spirit of God. There ain't no shame in this house. This is a safe place. We don't care who you are, where you've been, what your life is like. Uh, none of that even, even matters. You don't know who you're sitting next to. Some of these folks is axe murders, but I ain't telling you who they are. You don't know who you're sitting next to. But this is what I do know. Today, your life can be transformed and changed for all eternity. And you'll never be the same again. You'll never be the same again. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Christ is calling you to be a kingdom pursuer. Stop chasing the wind stop chasing the wind and pursue the kingdom prayer people if you come every head bow father I know this message is for all of us but also know that you're working in our heart if at least one maybe more first prayer Lord is that I've done you justice in the word I've done right by you in the scriptures Lord I pray that the Holy Spirit will do his work Holy Spirit will do its work and whatever whatever you're doing in the lives of the people that it will be brought to completion trusting you Lord God to do the amazing thing that you do better than anybody else and that saves souls that saves souls Lord there may be some here today who may even need to recommit maybe, they, maybe they've made a commitment to you they've recognized you as Lord and Savior and maybe their life has just got off track and some of it is wind chasing I pray Lord God that they be brought back to that place of kingdom pursuit they stop chasing after things that ends in meaninglessness and embrace that that's eternal Father, I'm asking for you to do your thing. I'm going to ask you to keep your head bowed and eyes closed for just a minute. There's something that here that we like to do just for the sake of you making that your commitment seen before the Lord. And that's just, that's just to raise your hand. Now, hand raising doesn't finish the work, but it just acknowledges that you believe the Lord is speaking to you and you want to respond to that. And I do believe there may be some of you here, one, two, three of you that's never made that commitment to Jesus, that you want to trust him as Lord of your life, that you now recognize that you need him, that he really did come and he, he died on the cross and he died for your sins also. He's not asking you to enumerate his sins or neither are we. He's not even asking you to define what kind of person you are or how you think none of that he knows all that and neither are we but what I do believe the Lord is asking for you for is acknowledge 
that you do believe that he is the one and only true God and that you want to trust him as the Lord of your life. And you'll begin today to give God an opportunity to shape that life and direct that life and guide that life. In a minute, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to count to three. And when I get to three, I'm just going to ask you to lift your hands up. And I'll ask you to put them down, but I just want you to lift them up so you can acknowledge. And, and I'm, I'm here to tell you, there is not a better decision that you can make for your life. And for some people, I know that's scary. There may be some stuff there that you don't get and you don't understand. And I get all that. That's why we're here. That's why we have small groups, life groups. That's why we have people that can help you along the way. Maybe, maybe people you came with or know. We want to help you from there. I know that it's, it's a process of becoming who God wants you to be from the way you are now. I get that. But we all went this route. And God just wants you to acknowledge that you're willing to trust him. So I'm going to count to three. And if that's you, I'm just going to ask you to lift your hand. One, two, three. If you'll just raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to trust the Lord. God bless you, man. God bless you. 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 Put your hands down. There's a couple of things you can do. We're going to have a time when people are going to come to the altar and we're going to pray for various things. You certainly, I certainly invite you to come and you can acknowledge someone or maybe who you came with that you lifted your hand today and you want to make that commitment. You also can put it on the connect card in front of you and write it down. That gave my life to Christ or check it off the box. Put your name and information. We want to follow up on you. Some of you need to be baptized. You've made a commitment, but as these dear young people did today, they follow that up with baptism. It's, it's important. That's a, that's a way of publicly declaring your faith. As we always say with baptism, today I'm going public with my faith and to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's an important step of acknowledging who you are in Jesus. And there may be some of you that need to be baptized. You can let us know on a connect card. Please indicate on the connect card, put it in the box, or you can come and let, let someone know. We're now, though, going to extend an opportunity if people want to just come for prayer, for healing. Maybe there's a situation going on in your life. You want people to come alongside you and pray. The altar will be open. Those of you that need to leave, we're going to go into some worship. Those of you that want to worship, you can come on forward and we'll continue to worship. Those of you that need to leave, you're, you're, you're free to go. But those of you that want prayer, don't, don't leave here without connecting with somebody and being prayed for so that we can follow up on you and make sure that God is working in your life in a manner that is best. Father, I do thank you for the opportunity that we've had to spend in the word and to share. I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit has done some incredible, incredible stuff. And the Lord, I, everyone that's making a response, whether it be by hand, those on, on connect card, those coming to the altar, I pray that the Spirit of God will continue to work, continue to heal, continue to deliver, continue to transform, continue to set free. Jesus, we trust you to do what you do. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you, Father, for this time. Pray your blessing will be upon everyone, Lord God, that will be leaving here, going to various places. We pray your blessing upon the time with the CLG leaders for the meal that we're receiving, for the time of teaching, the fellowship, and the gathering. And we thank you for the work you're going to do on those who come to the altar for prayer. Lord, we love you and we honor you. It's in Christ's name we pray. May the people of God shout hallelujah.